Hello, and welcome to the Channel V6 Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Johnson. The Channel V6 Podcast will cover all the unique and diverse topics that matter most to you, the Uinta Basin resident. Um, subscribe to listen to in-depth conversations about the local issues that affect us all. Now, a quick word from Jiffy's. At Jiffy's, they know how hard it is to stay home and not have anything to keep you busy. They want to help. Jiffy's is running sales until the end of April. Need to find a new hobby or spruce up on your ukulele skills? Now through April 22nd, ukuleles and music books are 20% off. Maybe you just want to veg out and watch some TV or a good movie? April 22nd through the 29th, TVs are 25% off and DVDs are 10 for $10. Don't forget about their handgun clearance shelf. Uh, savings like you wouldn't believe. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram. Let's work together to get past this time of uncertainty. Jiffies, thanks all of you for uh, who have kept them in business over the years. They wouldn't be uh, where they are without you. Thank you, Jiffies, where they buy, sell, trade, and loan. On today's shows, we've got some special guests. We've got Jordan Mathis, director at Tri-County Health and Health Officer. Uh, John Sturmer, um, Deputy Attorney in Uinta County. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining us today as we uh, talk about the health order and kind of how it affects and impacts us here in the Uinta Basin. Thank you. And Thanks, it, look, it looks like uh, Jordan Mathis has a, a masked character with him. Jordan, you want to introduce yeah. your guest? Yeah, we have our medical advisor, Dr. Carl Breitbach. He advises us on medical issues here at Tri County Health Department. Wanted to have him on board help explain some of the medical reasons behind the order. So if you don't mind hey. me. Hey, Dr. Breitenbach, thanks for joining us as well. If you don't mind me kind of jumping in here, let's, so there was a, a health order released to the Tri-County area. Um, Jordan, can you kind of talk to us about the health order, why it was uh, released, revised, and then and what the implement, you know, implications are of it and, and how it's affecting us here in the basin and why, what's the purpose of it? Yeah, so with this disease, um, one of the things that's really tricky with it, it's not like other diseases that we're, we're required to um, investigate and mitigate again uh, as a health department um, because the continuum of this really wide. It goes from an asymptomatic being a carrier of the virus and being able to transmit that virus to all the way to multi-organ failure, death, some individuals. So it's a really interesting disease, uh, that aspect, regards to our mitigating. And so the order and the continuum of response is about the same. Get individuals that are saying, we need to shut everything down. And we've seen that throughout the, the world and, and country. People saying, just need to get back to life normal. Well, state statute doesn't give me that option. It says that I shall mitigate against And so the purpose of the order was to try to find middle ground and, and think in the middle and say, how can we mitigate against this while trying to bring some normalcy back to the residents of Winnipeg Basin um, and but ensure that we still have some measures put in place that will mitigate the spread of this and potential overrunning of our health care. Yeah, so you, basically what we're trying to do is limit the exposure, but also try to, what is it, kind of a soft open, if you will, of some of the businesses that were, were shut down? Yeah, so 
we we had some businesses that were shut down. We had fitness centers and 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 pools that were shut down, and we opened those back up um, with some restrictions put in place. And then we also identified other um, other establishments determined high risk based off what we know about the transmission of this virus, um, and then put some restrictions in place on those that were already open but determined high risk. And and just to help you understand the way that we determine the high risk is no to win the battle against this virus have to increase exposure to viral load. And the way that we do that is by increasing the frequency of potential exposure or the duration of potential exposure or both. And that was the goal of, that's why we looked at establishing high risk as both of them off, uh, provide an opportunity for duration or frequency viral load. And so put in measures to try to mitigate that. Okay, so the health order, um, there's a lot of legal wording um, and we've got, you know, John Sturmer here to kind of help us with that as well. Um, John, can you kind of break down for us, you know, why the health order, obviously it's written as a legal document. It has to be done. So, but why can you help break us down for like those of us that maybe don't understand the vernacular as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, as most people know, legal documents and really, really boring. Uh, as far as reading material goes, uh, there's but there's certain things that we need to put in a document or make it an actual formal order. Uh, those individuals who have taken the opportunity to click on the link and, and look at the order itself instead of just the, the summaries that are provided, they'll find that there's about a dozen whereas clauses. Those are fines that the health department has to make in order to justify the actions that are taken. Under state statute, the the legal standard is that something has to be necessary in order to place restrictions on a public place or close a building. And the legal standard for an individual to be isolated or is a totality of circumstances that help in often find that a person forced to isolate or So there's a lot of findings that uh, made in that document. That's the first part. The, the second part then deals with the actual order of the health officer with Jordan Mathis. Um, we'll find in that document, it talks about items that are generally applicable to all members of the public, or we'll have other items that are fully, fully applicable to certain sectors of our business. Of, of our business. And then at the end, the one part that's been getting a lot of questions on is why is there a criminal penalty attached to the order? You need to be absolutely clear that the Criminal penalty was set by the state legislature. Uh, as far as my research can show, about four decades ago, when the health laws were passed in the state of Utah, and they are they are the body that determined that uh, a violation of a enacted health order is a class misdemeanor, and that that is an enhanceable offense. That if you do it again, it then ramps up to a class A. So that needs to be put in order. It would disingenuous for the health department to issue an order and then hide the ball on what the penalty might be. And so that's why it's in there. And then obviously we get the signature line, which have Jordan Mathis and then the the chair of our 
of our health board. Doctor. John Map. John Map. I got confused because I just said Jordan Mathis. My brain just stalled. We have John, Doctor John Mathis, who is a, a veterinarian here in our well respected. Uh, he signed it, and then myself approving it as the legal form. So that's kind of the nuts and bolts of why the order had to take the the shape that it's in. So the whole the the document as a whole was not com I guess Jordan Mathis, but part of that you know wasn't created by Jordan Mathis per se, but parts of it were included because it had to be that came from the state legislature, like the governor and and stuff like that. Correct. Uh, yeah, specifically from the state legislature. State legislature has passed laws, uh, or standards put in place. Uh, they aren't new. Uh, fortunately for us, Utah hasn't faced a pandemic like this in the early 1900s. And so this is unfortunately the first time our population has really had to deal with statutes. But they're the same statutes that the health department uses that there's a listeria outbreak in, in a restaurant or a hepatitis outbreak in a in a health health facility the the health department does their investigation they find out what's going on if they can reach that high standard of necessity they'll they'll close a restaurant down or they'll work with the restaurant fix whatever the infection problem was what was causing the vector of that virus or bacteria population and then they're able to stay open so the statutes aren't new i think that's one that's very important remember uh, they've been there unfortunately this is the first time our population as a whole has had to live under some of these stats yeah i guess the scale of it is so much more it's so much more broad here because you're not just dealing with one restaurant or one little outbreak at a certain location you're dealing with this on a global level so does that, that that's got a factor into it that way you know and it's it's hard to balance that it, it does, and, and in a sense, we're, we're really chase, we're always chasing the hell of the virus, never get out in front of it, because it's a silent and visible assailant. If this was somebody who was breaking into our stores, law enforcement has, well, they, they know what to do to go catch somebody who is, who is robbing uh, individuals or breaking the home. We know what to do if you have one restaurant and there's a bacteria outbreak. Uh, those are, those are uh, relatively, but when you're chasing a silent and invisible assailant like a virus that uh, really knocks people out really fast, we'll get into those stats later. We're we're kind of flying blind, so it, it requires a little bit of a different measure. So I guess another question I have is how are we gathering the local the local data and how is it being used to in our decision making processes? So I'll answer that, Brandon. Um, the, the primary source of data that we have is through testing. That's how we're able to do what we call surveillance on it and, and identifying positive individuals um, in our community and then isolate um, them and quarantine their contact and try and slow any of that exposure. Um, and up until recently, we had a pretty low per capita test rate um, even compared to other rural areas in the state, we had a lower testing um, per capita rate. And we've since remedied that um, through test.com. Now have two sites, one in Roosevelt, one in Vernal. And in the past, uh, it, 
uh, probably about five days. We run more tests than we ran in the entire month of March. Um, and so we're, we're increasing that testing capacity um, that allows us to see if we're actually virus in individuals in our and helps us to inform us of, of whether or not to do with restrictions in place or let up on some of those. Um, and that's kind of what's informing it. That is also written into the order. He said, can revise this based off of information that we're gathering. Um, and so that's written that order as well. So, so the more tests we have and say we're on a good trend, not seeing so many positive tests come back, because we have, it's been what, almost a week since we've had any new positive cases come out? Yeah, we still have 10, 10, uh, that's 10 positive cases. We've had some of those individuals who tested positive have since recovered. Um, and so 10 total cases, and we've been holding at that for like six days. That's pretty, that's pretty awesome. And so depending yeah. on how the test results come back, we can either implement more strict regulations or lift regulations. Is that what I'm gathering? Yes, it, it all depends what the data is telling us. But fortunately for us right now, the data is telling us really correct. Okay, so can we let's let's talk from a health standpoint. The the masks, um, I know that it's been. Um, can I? Is it been recommended or is that like? So if we're in a public setting, I am at work. Let's just run a scenario by you real quick. So I am an employee at work, and it, we're dealing with the public. My employer is telling us, hey, you guys need to wear masks, you're dealing with the public, but say I myself am like, nope, I you cannot make me wear a mask. How true or untrue is that? Can he make me wear a mask? Is it legally, it, am I responsible? Who's who's so, in charge of mandating that or enforcing it, I guess? Can I, can I tell you, I, this, this happens all the time. Um, <laughs> anyone who's, Anyone who's been on an oil rig knows that you can't go on that oil rig without, you have to wear a hard hat, you have to wear glasses, you have to wear fire retardant clothes, you have to wear um, steel-toed boots. Because I've been out and visited those, and people wear them all the time, and they're forced to wear them to be able to go to work, right? Correct. And it's based off of the risk. And what people need to understand is the data is telling us across the state that the People who are being infected the most by this virus are the individuals who cannot um, decrease the frequency of interaction with individuals or the duration of interaction with individuals because of their employment. And those actually happen to be our, our hourly frontline workers. That's who's being impacted by this virus the most. Not sever necessarily the severity of the disease, but the number of actual infections state. And so for us to say these individuals are more at risk is an accurate state. And so for us to say, therefore, because of the line of work that you're in, your interaction with the public, you're at risk and you're also at risk at exposing other individuals because of the whole asymptomatic spread of it. So yes, there is, there is a reason for it. Um, and it's all based off of the risk. Um, I'm sure Dr. Dr. If he went in liver and have on a mask and gloves that, that, that mother's expected mother would be like, wait, what are you doing? <laughs> right. 
pretty much. So there, there's reasons for the people, uh, what we call personal protective equipment. And it's based off the risk that could potentially expose other people and risk yourself. So that recommendation, who's, I guess, how's it going to be enforced? Or is the is Tri-County Health, is, how are you guys going to enforce that? Are you going to go into local businesses and kind of make sure people are wearing the PPE if they're kind of like those frontline employees and that they're, 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 you know, abiding by the health order? So the way that we're going to do that is the responsibility really falls on the business or the management of that business um, to ensure that their employees are uh, compliant with that. Um, and we'll work through the business to get compliance. Um, but it's really, an, it's really about education, um, educating them on why, why it's important, um, how it can protect them. Can I speak to the pro-business side of it as well? Because if there's an exposure in a business and that employee happens to be positive and that business says, we go to the individual and they say they were wearing a mask the whole time, then that decreases the risk um, to anyone who was in that. And therefore decreases the potential black eye that that business gets from having potential exposure. Saw, kind of saw the hysteria when Stuart had an employee that was positive and what went on over in the Roosevelt area. And having a mask would decrease that. It also decreased the amount of investigation that the health department has to do because then it will move into lower risk categories because we know that there was something in place to potentially decrease the viral load that they were exposed to. So it It'd be a great message for a business owner to say, yes, we had a positive employee, but everyone was wearing masks and the health department back up that, yes, we, the risk to the public really low because they were falling off property. So from a, I guess, a legal standpoint, as in it, so say I was a business owner, could I force my frontline workers to wear masks? Is that like something that I can do legally? with this health order? Uh, I'll take that one. The, the answer is absolutely yes. Uh, and not only can I, it, it they they need to okay. under the health order, quite quite frankly. Um, that That's the whole point of just what Jordan was talking about with the mandatory PPE that employees have to wear. Uh, employers make their employees wear shoes all the time. <laughs> that's not a violation of your constitutional right for an employer to say you have to wear shoes or clothes shoes. You can't wear sandals while you're in the workplace, that sort of thing. It's, it's not violating somebody's constitutional rights. Although there's a lot of constitutional scholars out there that are saying that all over Facebook. So this is basically the state legislative has said, this is now going to be PPE for public interactions, certain, business. certain businesses, correct. There's certain businesses, because a lot of businesses it for the patron, it's a recommendation. Um, I'll, I'll use my personal experience. Since last Monday, I had a tickle in the back of my throat, kind of a dry cough. Um, the testing came open. I got tested. Uh, from the time I had the tickle in the back of my throat until I got yesterday, which thing negative, I've worn a mask the whole time that I've been in interaction with anybody that wasn't my immediate family. Because, like what Jordan said, if it came back positive, those I, I interact with probably at, at 100 
uh, throughout the day if I'm normally my my work. That's a that's an amazing contact level that those individuals have now been in contact with positive, and then they have to start taking precaution. The the the, the casework that Tri County Health would have to do to track down somebody like me and all my contacts. So I did that. I did that. All all last this got the negative test result. So I can I can breathe a little better. So the the legal ramifications of this. Um, so a business owner could send an employee home or or do something if they were refusing to wear a mask. It, it's a requirement of employment. Now, okay. how how an employer deals with those types of violations, that's going to be subject to their own policy and procedure manuals. I, I wouldn't want to speak to every single type of business because they would have different remedies based off of violation of policy or, or violation of, of state local law with their establishment. I think but they definitely can. There is the legal standard that is fully aspirated the law but we're a law-abiding people and so that's the new standard it's the new ppe for for businesses that's kind of being enforced for, for now okay very very temporary but th- yes it is for now i think that's good to know um let's talk about masks and wearing masks i see a lot of people wearing masks improperly you know so what is the point if they're not wearing them properly what is is there a place that you know that we can go to that has like proper procedures i mean i see people handling cash taking their mask off putting their mask back on they haven't sanitized their hands so at that point it's like what good's a mask if you're not taking the other precautions as well i can jump in and take that one i haven't been saying much yet the mask is is to is to help to protect the wearer and the good way to find out good qualities of a mask or go to uh, coronavirus Utah.gov, and then click on the link to CDC or put in the search bar mask. Really able to find uh, references on on what proper mask uh, it contains. Um, a, a mask will, will will help decrease the viral load. That viral load means the amount of virus that you breathe in. Um, so it helps protect the wearer from, from viral load. The viral load has to do with the severity of the infection you get. And it also helps you not spread the virus um, from from around. Um, even with coughing and sneezing, masks tend to catch some of the droplets and uh, uh, virus spreading. So I think there's a benefit to the wearer, and there's a benefit to people that are around the wearer. Obviously, it, you know, not not getting exposed to other people is the very best way not to get the virus. So we could all run our economy somehow and just stay home. No one never exposed each other. That would be the fastest way to eradicate the virus. We're trying to, this ordinance, I've, I've read it over with the gentleman. Uh, it really is an effort to let people try and back some degree of normalcy and uh, keep, keep them as safe as possible. And we also don't want to be like New uh, York, Italy, and Spain, where we're just overloading the healthcare system where people can't care they because then you start losing patients don't a lot of this is talking about decreasing curve so right. yeah for sure Avoid mass onset so is it true or not true that you know um 
I've heard conflicting reports that wearing masks when you're healthy for a prolonged period of time can actually be bad for your health. Is that true or an untrue statement? Sounds like bullshit to me. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> I you're, just wanna... you're talking to a guy that's worn a mask probably more than most people in our community. Yeah. Well, let, let me let me jump in here. Talk about masks. I've I've been really trying to watch what terms I because what we're talking about is face covering. We're not talking about you know an, an astronaut suit to live in space, and we're not talking about I I have one in my office ninety five. That that's not what we're talking about. And in fact, I have that, uh, and I'm saving it just in case there's something more drastic that hits our community. I wear I wear this, and the reason I wear this is because one, it's cheap, easy to make. Um, I have been joking that it first Utah it catches everything, so it's very good, <laughs> very good mask to use. Um, but we're also talking about bandanas. Uh, people have been wearing bandanas for 200 years, very very strenuous annual labor. Uh, with cowboys and building fences and and everything else, but if you go to the CDC uh, website and they'll walk you through on what kind of mask we're actually talking about, what kind of face covering we're talking about, very simple, very cheap, very easy to make, and it's all about if I were like if if Jordan were to sneeze right now, almost everything's going to be caught with the mask that he's wearing, and Doctor B could have a very high level of comfortability that, that he's going to be okay. He get some hand sanitizer on his hand, make sure, you know, kind of kills that virus that may have spread on his body uh, and contact it that way. But that's what we're talking about. Uh, I just want to make sure that I've heard people say that, and I've worn 95 different settings down in a crawl space or in an attic. They're not comfortable. They stink. They really, they, they actually restrict your airflow uh, at a noticeable amount. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about face covering. And I guess a part of it, guys, would just be educating yourself on the face covering. Like how often should you wash it if you're taking, you know, wearing the same one all week and you only have one, how often should you be cleaning it? What are the proper methods for the material that you're wearing in as far as cleaning, stuff like that? So depending on your face covering, what methods to, you know, prevent gross things growing in it, I guess. Well, and also, when, when can you take it off at, at your place of work? Uh, Tri-County Health did some educational videos over the weekend. We used the setting of a salon. One of the factual scenarios in that was while the worker was cleaning her own workstation six feet away from the other people, she had her mask off, and she was wiping things down, getting ready for the next customer. But then she put it back on as she was walking past the other employee. So, you know, there are opportunities to work day take face covering off it, give your ears you know because those straps will hit you in the back of the ear give your face a break uh step outside get your 15 minutes during the morning and the afternoon and during your lunch break and go enjoy the fresh area we're, we're blessed right now with some very cool weather so kind of get away from their face covering if it's required through you know, most of their day so let's talk really quick since I've got you right here on the on the camera. The special legislative session that's going to be taking place. How does it affect us here in the basin? Unfortunately, it has the potential to impact us a lot. Um, the state legislature, for their own reason, decided to hold a special legislative session. They had a number of bills that that they're considering. Uh, the, the 
one that is the most concerning to us is Senate Bill 004. That bill really starting May 1st ripped any authority away from our local health department, our local elected officials to do what we're doing right now. When a county is the first in the state of Utah to say, we're, we're getting back to work. There may be some restrictions still in place, some limited ones regarding face coverings. But other than that, open it up. Our rec center's back up, our gyms are open, our salon, hair care uh, facilities, which actually weren't closed under any order, but they were closed. Uh, this gives people the, the basis to say, hey, I wanna go get my hair cut. I want to go get my nails done. I want to go to the gym. Uh, unfortunately, Senate Bill 3004 takes that away from us. We have to get the blessing of the governor to anything contrary to his order. And the committee that the legislature put together, the in-person committee, has zero, zero really talk uh, people on it. They all hail from the Wasatch Front, all from big counties. And we unfortunately know how that usually goes for rural so we're pushing hard. Uh, our elected officials are on the phone every single day to say, please don't mess us up. Please just let us keep doing what we're doing. And by the way, state, we've whipped the state order regarding restaurants. We would love to do things here locally that can get people dining again. Oh, for sure. Brandon, can I say one other thing with regards to that? Yes, Because I think there's misunderstanding. People think that that... That bill was run because because people like me issue orders and I'm not accountable to the public at all. Um, I want people to understand that that I report to a nine member board, and three of the those board members are elected officials, um, commissioners to the county, and the individuals that they appoint to the board are appointed by the bodies of each of those counties, and I am. I am responsible to that board. That is my boss. They all voted unanimously for this order. And then even above and beyond that, had a meeting, invited all mayors and all county commissioners and elected officials to review this before we actually said, here it is. And we did that with both orders, the first order and the revised order. So for people out there to say, great, um, Senate Bill 3004 is great because because we need to stop uh, health officers like Jordan Mathis from doing what he went because he's not accountable to anyone is not true. It's absolutely not true. And if people do not like order, they can get a hold of the Board of Health and they can let them know. And if the Board of Health agrees with them, they can remove. I am accountable to the public. Um, I I rarely see the public come to our Board of Health, which is a public, rarely have the public come to it, but have those meetings and people have the opportunity to offer it. So I I really resent the fact that individuals say that I'm not accountable to the public. I am here to serve the public. That's what my job is. 26A says the word serve or service over 30 times. I, that's my statutory responsibility to serve the public. And if they don't think I'm doing a good job, then they can talk to their elected officials who I'm very, very accountable. It's true. Some good information. So yeah, there's just so much, you know, I think you still have so many 
such a hot topic and the basin's so affected by it, by, by this whole COVID-19, it's just so, there's a lot of turmoil right now. You know, it, we, the, the, the oil and gas industry is taking a huge hit and that's scary for a lot of people. We've got this going on in the midst of all of it. And it's, I think there's just a lot of people that don't know what's true, what's fact, what's where to look. And there's a lot of scared people. There's a lot of people that think this is just an overreach of, of the government. And I think there's just trying to, to fact find and sift through everything and actually get to a level playing field is it's confusing for a lot of people. Yeah. I think the thing that we can agree on is nobody wants to, um, nobody, I don't want to be, have to issue the order. Um, nobody wants to find ourselves. That's the purpose of this order is trying to find a middle ground. And so for people that say we want to shut it down, I don't think that's the right response. People that say we just need to open everything back up. I can't necessarily do that because I can't good conscience say that I'm doing my job to mitigate it. And so if people want to be constructive and criticize, offer constructive criticism, but it has to be somewhere in that middle. Give me something in the middle and I'll listen to but I can't listen to the two ends. I can't. And so but the, the purpose of this health order is to try and slowly open up our local economy, right? Yeah. Open the economy while keeping the, the potential spread to a one-to-one. -one. So when we talk about reproductive, uh, the reproductive number, uh, right now this one's anywhere between two and three is what we're, we're hearing. Um, meaning that if I'm positive, um, I'm going to expose anywhere from two to three individuals and they will become positive. And those individuals will then do the same. Um, and what we want to do is we want to knock that number down as much as we can through mitigation uh, by increasing exposure to that viral load, which, which social distancing and the face covering are, are aimed at between. And if we keep it to a one-to-one, we know that it's going to this disease is going to go through the community, but we want to do it in a managed way that's not overwhelm the healthcare system and lead to unnecessary deaths, like Dr. Bright said. And want to do it in a way where where we can still operate as a society, and that's what we're trying to do. So give me that input. Give me how we're going to do that, and I'm all here. So with this health order, the, go ahead. I'm not the smartest person. In, in these three counties, and I'm open to suggestions. So you're basically asking for, you know, the public to, to weigh in here with some con constructive criticism. Um, and if things trend the right way, we should be lifting, minus, you know, the, the, the state stepping in and kind of taking that away from you. Things start trending the right direction. We should be starting to open up restaurants soon and just getting back to some normalcy. And then will the testing continue through all that? I, I don't see testing going away for a while. Testing testing is the most critical because we need we need data. And so if we you know I'm worried, I'll be real honest with you. If we if we start opening things up and we allow this disease to grow exponentially, then we have to shut it way down, you know, because otherwise we're gonna be like, you know, other other places that have had much, much higher rates of mortality and no, nobody, nobody wants to see their loved ones die. I mean, the most critical thing in life is your health. If you don't have your health, 
I don't care how much money you have, anything else, you don't have anything. So we need to we need to dial this up slowly and to keep an eye on the numbers of as much testing and with as much mitigation as we can. And if people will mitigate, if they will maintain distance and they'll stay home when they're sick, that's one of the things I'd like to stress. You know, if you're sick, wearing a mask is going to help you stay home, you stay out of out of, and you need to get tested. Um, so, so yeah, we will keep testing. We'll isolate people, uh, disease tracking, which the health department does a great job of, um, track down the contacts, tell them to stay home or um, that's bad as I got tested like like John got tested I got tested Thursday just because I'm I'm exposed to lots of people in my office at the hospital and I wanted to make sure I wasn't a, a asymptomatic vector um, yeah it was over those four days I thought what if my test comes back positive well, then I won't see a patient interacting would you guys recommend everyone getting tested yeah, that'd be great. Although I don't think we have the wherewithal to do that yet. So I think I think getting tested, in my opinion, should be based upon your your necessity of being exposed to the public. So I'm going to pick on my on my dear wife, for example. She doesn't mind staying home. She likes the garden. She doesn't have to go to work. Um, so she, so I don't know that she's a high priority to be tested because she's going to plan to keep her distance. So tested, but for testing her is less so than, for example, a EMT or an ER doctor or a policeman or you know, John, for example, deals with public blood. I'm And if I can, Dr. B, I'll, I'll add on yours real quick, though, and I not disagree with what you're saying. I would encourage people to go to testing.com, take the assessment, especially if they, if they do need to get out and about in, in any capacity. Uh, take the assessment. If it give, if it says yes, take the test. It's a free test, right? And we do, and we do have supplies to be able to handle that level of testing in our community. And that's the very information that Jordan, the health department, and the county commissions are are looking for, because we've got to scare this virus out of the dark corners that it's hiding in, or determine that with a, a degree of certainty the virus is not there. And that gives us the ability to start making the very we're talking about, of, you know, continuing to open up the economy, lifting some of these restrictions. It, it's going to be all based off of that type of information. Um, if I if I can, do you guys mind if I just kind of put some things in perspective real quick? Take sixty seconds. Yeah, I just want to say that I, I totally agree with what you just said. John. Right on. Okay, thanks. Um, so here, here's how to keep this in perspective, on March 6th, the state of Utah reported its first case. On March 13th, the governor took some action. Uh, he closed the schools on uh, on that on that same day. Uh, on March 7th, uh, excuse me, on March 7th, the state Department of Health issued an order that closed all dine-in restaurants, bar services, and then also had a lot of different recommendations. We did not get our first case in the Tri-County area until March 27th. Now, what I'm going to say is, because a lot of people want to do some Monday morning quarterbacking, I'm going to do a little bit of Monday morning quarterbacking as well. 
This is what Tri-County Health was doing during that time of early March into mid-March. We were meeting with our schools. We were meeting with our elected officials and we were saying, okay, what, what would we do? What should we do when we start seeing the cases getting closer to us, like Wasatch County, Sweetwater County, Rio Blanco and Moffitt County, uh, where our, our public has interaction with. We were looking at putting some soft restrictions on restaurants, maybe limiting every other booth, uh, that sort of thing. Of course, long-term care facilities, we know this virus can absolutely ravage long-term care facilities. And so that, that would have been the same as the state of Utah. And schools, we were, gonna, we were in contact with all three of our school districts to say, okay, how could we start limiting? We need to limit certain activities, maybe our sporting uh, teams or uh, academic teams not traveling to certain parts of the state. It was nowhere in that conversation into first of March to the about third week of March was there ever a discussion. We just have to shut everything down. So I hope everybody realizes that we have been dealing with this as a basin since mid-March, but the first order from Tri-County Health came out April 2nd. Please do not blame our local officials for the longevity of what we have been facing because most of that has been out of our hands and it still is. We cannot lift any restrictions in dine-in facilities because it's a state order. I think we a just, lot of people we, we can't. A lot of people don't know that or don't realize that, I guess. Yeah. And see, I, I, I think it's something to, to really remember. And the stats that we were facing at that time, Fremont County, Wyoming, they took it took them 20 days to get into the double digits of their cases. Uh, they now have 51 confirmed cases, four deaths, and they got their first case in mid-March. Wasatch County has about 150 cases now. Um, that's what we were looking at when we issued our first order on April 2nd. We were looking at counties very similarly situated to Uinta County, Fremont County, Wyoming, Wasatch County, Utah, uh, watching Sweetwater County, Wyoming very closely because Sweetwater is different though. They have I-80 ripping through there. And so they tend to get a few more bugs than, than we do. Uh, but that's what we were looking at. So Monday, Monday morning quarterbacking, I, it's healthy, but only to a certain extent. Um, we have 13 ventilators available in the whole UNA basin, 13. Right now, looking at the stats we had available to us, on April 2nd, we were looking at a hospitalization rate of about 280 people in the basin. I will attribute that why we do not have those numbers for two things. I'm going to get kind of serious here for a second, which I hate because I'm not a serious guy. But two, two things. One, we have an awesome, awesome community that we all live in. People are making the right decisions. People are coming together. They're trying to support businesses while they can't go in. But they're taking those decisions and, and, and making proper choices, and they need to be commended, they need to be applauded, and we need to praise everybody, not cut people down. Two, there was a worldwide fast just a little while ago, and people of faith all over the world have been praying that the brakes would be put on this virus. We've, had, we've been stuck at 10, 10 cases for six days now with increased testing. Yeah, exactly, knock on wood. But I tend to be a man of faith. I don't voice it very much because of my job. I'm in, I'm in the government sector, so I tend to hold that back just a little bit. But I think I would be lying to myself if I did not voice that 
that if we have the eyes to see it, we can see some miracles that are happening there in our community. We do have a pretty awesome community, and I, I do love how we do stick together on social media platforms. There's people still, you know, doing what they can to help neighbors. You still have the teenagers going out and, and doing shopping for the elderly. And, and you've got this yeah. awesome tight knit community. And I think we have, you know, we need to have that respect for what's going on. I still think, you know, there's, there's questions. It's okay to question things. Absolutely. I think people should question things. And I think people need to, to do their research and there should be that not necessarily a pushback, but Hey, is this true? Is this, is this an overreach of the government? Is this what, you know, what is yep. this really, how is it affecting me? You know, people's livelihoods have been severely upset by this. And I think we need to take that all into, in, into context and, and do our part and not throw blame and just see what can I do? What can I do? What can Brandon Johnson do to help and not hurt, I guess, the situation? Well, we, we were the first county in the state of Utah to pass a Second Amendment sanctuary ordinance, which we were actually supposed to be talking about, but something else happened. And we're the first county in the state of Utah that's trying this experiment. We're, we're trying to get people back to work as, as responsibly as we can. I, I do have to say we're the first three counties, just because John, John, John's kind of biased about you win a county, but I love uh, all three you're counties. You're right. You're right. <laughs> we're, we're the, yes, we're, we were the first county for the Second Amendment sanctuary ordinance, and we are the first health department to try that, is, that is doing this. There, there we go. How's that, Jordan? That's great. Much more politically correct. <laughs> there we go. Can, can I circle back on the testing just for one second Please. to provide some clarity? There is some limitations uh, of testing, obviously. This test, so people understand, it's a it's a test that tells you whether or not you have virus on board at that time when you get tested. It doesn't necessarily mean that three days later you couldn't be infected. So it, I don't want it to create a false sense of security for anyone who does get tested that says they're in the clear. Um, and for that reason, we are we are going through a process with the state to develop protocol to be very more, much more surgical in our disease investigation with regards to testing. Meaning that if, if somebody's positive, we're actually gonna start going back 14 days and trying to identify any contacts that they had. And anyone who was it, who had that contact and has been, been exposed to them in the last seven, seven days and therefore could have begin generating the virus themselves, we're going to start getting those individuals tested as well so that we're going to be more surgical in our approach. Because if we just say, let's have everyone tested, all that does is it takes a snapshot of our community at that time. And it doesn't necessarily tell us what the virus is doing. And, and so we're going to try to be more surgical to be able to isolate those that might be carrying the virus asymptomatically through our community by going further back. And this wasn't something that was available to us at the beginning of this because testing was so limited. And now that it's expanded, we can be more surgical because we have that capacity. Um, and so that's going to help us in this fight as well, which means we, we might be able to continue to, to look at getting back to a more of a normal life um, if we can isolate individuals quicker and, and more of those individuals that could be shedding the virus without us knowing. And getting people okay. to wear their PPE. I'm sorry, Brandon. 
one thing I'd like to jump in on and really, really stress is if you're sick and you have symptoms of COVID-19, which tend to be um, fever, difficulty breathing, cough or sneezing, or body aches is another one I'd throw in, then I think testing is very important. And please isolate yourself until you have a test result. Um, those are the people that are going to do the very most damage is, is, is the ones that are, are coughing out, sneezing out large, large loads of virus. So, so sick individuals, please get tested and please stay isolated. Awesome. Is there any, um, before we wrap this up, are there any like bullet points or things that you would like to really kind of address, kind of get people to kind of focus on before we wrap this up? Any kind of final thoughts or words? We haven't. I, I, I will, I will mention one thing. Um, when, when you go into battle, you have to fight with the weapons that you have. And it'd be nice if we had antibody testing. It'd be nice if we had uh, a, a medical mask for every single person. Um, but we don't have those things. So we're trying to come up with the weapons that we everyday people can use to mitigate the spread of this virus. Um, and so that's that's really the thing. We understand um we understand the science isn't perfect about a, a cloth face covering. We understand that. Um, Dr. Breitenbach is not an idiot. I'm not an idiot. John's questionable. Uh, so, <laughs> Admittedly so. <laughs> we, we, we understand that. So all these things like face cloth face coverings aren't perfect. We understand that. It, the way I look at it, it's like, it's like, Brandon, if I were to grab a garden hose, and point it at you and try to spray you. And, and if you had a, a tarp, it would completely stop it. But if you had a sheet, it would diffuse it. And that's what we're looking at. We're trying to stop the, slow the spread. Um, that's really what we're trying to do. And I think that's the message is we know it's not perfect, but we're fighting with the weapons that we have. And I think it's better than the other alternative, which the weapon that a lot of communities are using is shut it all down. And I think these, this is a better option. Agreed. John, any last words? I think the, the last thing I'll have is please contact your state representative and senator and the governor's office and stress to them that we need to be able to address this at a local level. Local, I'm a local government guy. I tend to think local government will always come up with better solutions than big, broad, you know, blanket things across. I mean, can you imagine if the president of the United States issued an order that was responding to the state of New York, the state of Washington, and the state of Louisiana? I mean, that would be completely horrible. And if we have the same thing. If the governor and those 10 people on the legislative committee do something to just address what's going on in Salt Lake County, and the and the you know the three big counties, it, it's it's going to absolutely level us more more than we already are. So if people can please contact Senator uh, Senator Winterton, and because that's in common with all three counties, and then their respective state representative, um, and then the governor's office, and please tell them let us handle this at a local level. And then the the other thing is, um, please continue to question. Please continue to ask the hard questions. 
uh, nobody's afraid of the hard questions. We, we want the hard questions. It helps us generate a better, uh, a better outcome. So I, I would just encourage people to keep doing that as well. I agree. Um, is there a place? So, like you, you guys have mentioned um, local meetings, public meetings. Where do where does the public go to find out where and when these meetings are, what they're addressing, and how do we get involved? Uh, that's an excellent question. So, Utah Public Notice website is the is the best location for meetings that can actually be noticed. Uh, there are provisions under state law when we have to hold an emergency meeting. Uh, then we just have to hold the meeting and then we will add that agenda item to the next regularly scheduled meeting. Uh, but that's the best place. And if anybody has questions, they can call the, the respective county commission offices and find out when the next county commission is. And they can call Tri-County Health and find out when the next board meeting is. So let's, let's uh, you know, ask our, our Tri-County citizens to get involved, to constructively offer solutions, offer input, offer data, and to do our part as far as let's, you know, wearing our PPE, doing our part, staying home, isolate, but yet trying to get the data to, so where we can open up and soft open up more businesses and get life back on track as far as, as long as the, 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 the governor's office doesn't get involved and kind of limit us entire hands that way. That was our goal last Friday when the order was was signed. It was implemented on Monday, and that will continue to be our goal until, you know, if there's a change at the state level, that will continue. I, I can say that with absolute certainty from all three county commissions and our local health board. We want to keep moving in this positive direction so long as our data is, is showing that we can. And right now, we're, we're moving in the right direction. Thank you, gentlemen, so much. Jordan, you know, Dr. Breitenbach, John, thank you so much for, uh, you know, kind of, dumbing down the health order and kind of explaining it to us on a, on a, on a real level, you know, how it affects us in real life at work, you know, as far as a business owner is concerned, as far as an employee is concerned, how it affects me, you know, being in, in, in at work, my day job and how I need to be wearing my PPE and what I need to be doing. Um, I need to educate myself on the proper, you know, cleaning of my mask and whatnot, but I appreciate your guys's input and your time for coming. One last thing, Brandon, if I can weigh in. Uh, yes, for sure. This may be a really this may be a really good time to rethink your decision about uh, smoking or vaping if you're doing those activities. So, awesome, Doctor Brighton. Not a good time to be hurting your lungs. <laughs> well put, Doctor Breitenbach. Um, any last words, gentlemen? No, just thank you for the opportunity. Appreciate it very much. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Brandon. Thank you for listening to the channel V6 podcast. Make sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform. If you have any questions or comments, please send us an email at podcast at channelv6.com. Thank you.